Welcome to episode 302 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker and author of What Win Wine. Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, the 45-day program for women to lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and cynthiatherlow.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Friends, I am so excited to tell you about one of my new favoriteest things ever. Okay, so you guys know I eat a lot of cucumbers. I don't think that this is any secret. And I find myself throwing away pounds, yes, pounds of cucumber peels every single night. I felt so awful just throwing it in the trash. It seemed like such a waste. I'd always wanted to try composting, aka a sustainable approach to turning food waste into healthy dirt, but it seemed really intimidating and not very practical. So it was on the to-do list for quite a while. So you can imagine how thrilled I was when a company called Lomi by Pila reached out to me wanting to sponsor the show. Normally I have to think a little bit about all the brands that reach out to me. I was an immediate yes. I was so excited. I got my Lomi device. It is incredible. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. By comparison, if you were to compost naturally, it would probably take at the shortest around six to eight weeks and maybe even up to a year. But nope, with Lomi, I can literally do it in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it is super quiet. I've been using Lomi for a few months now. It is substantially reducing my waste. I was taking out garbage bags all the time. It's probably cut that down by about 30 to 50%. In fact, I love it so much that I bought another Lomi for my parents for Christmas. So now with my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means that waste is not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that you can actually use to feed your plants. And Lomi is super cool. It has three different settings. It has the Eco Express setting, which is low energy consumption, provides the fastest results, and is good for your food waste. It has the Lomi Approved setting, that's five to eight hours, and you can actually put in Lumi Approved bioplastics and other compostable commercial goods and packaging that are Lumi Approved. And then there's the Grow Mode, that's 24 hours. It's low heat with a longer duration, and that actually preserves the microorganisms the most to help the soil and promote carbon storage in the soil. I am all about regenerative agriculture. So the fact that we can help put carbon back into the soil is so, so incredible. Lomi is something I have instantly fallen in love with. And if you guys are anything like me, I know you will as well. Turn your food waste into dirt with the press of a button with Lomi. Use the code IFPODCAST to save $50 at lomi.com slash IFPODCAST. That's L-O-M-I.com 
slash IF podcast with the promo code IF podcast to save $50. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 302 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Cynthia Thurlow. Hi, Melanie. How are you? I'm good. I feel like it's been so long since we've talked. I know. I was about to say, during the holidays, appropriately so, we all take a break from things we do within our business. And I was texting with Melanie before I got on and I was like, we're doing this episode and this is the format. And it's amazing how just a couple of weeks, you kind of feel like you're getting out of practice. Well, this episode airs end of January, but for us <laughs> recording, we just started January. How was your New Year's Eve? 
Very low key. I'll be completely transparent with you and with listeners that last year we were in Costa Rica, which was wonderful. But my boys were pretty adamant that they did not want to travel for Christmas. And because of poor weather, my mom was not able to come as early as she had wanted to and had to leave a little bit early as well. She lives in a rural part of the East Coast. And so they always get more snow and ice. And we, the four of us, I mean, I have teenagers, we all stayed in, we had an amazing dinner and then we watched movies and I was asleep before the ball dropped. And with the exception of my teenagers, of course, they go to bed. They're like nocturnal animals. They're up really late and they sleep in every day. My husband and I were in bed before the ball dropped and we've had so many years of really late New Year's Eve parties. And I just, it was really nice to just go to bed and have a really nice meal and just have it be low key. Like we didn't have a lot on the calendar. And after the book launch and how busy 2022 was and all the the travel that I did, even in December, it was just nice to slow down. How about you? Yeah, mine was really good. My sister and I went to a really fun party at the Waldorf Astoria. I love any chance to dress up really fancy. So if there's ever a situation where I can maybe find something to do that, I'm all about it. So I don't like being out crazy and I don't like loud. And I don't like crowds. And I actually don't like, even though I'm a crazy late night owl, I, I don't like being out at midnight. Like I don't want to be not at my home. So it's not normally something I would gravitate towards, but we had a blast. It was good. Oh, I'm good. I mean, and I think that's what we all want is if we're going to start celebrating like the last day of the year into the first day of the new year, celebrating however makes us happy. I think that's really important. Like when we lived in Northern Virginia, there was another family, probably our closest friends from our old neighborhood. And for years, we would just have New Year's Eve at each other's houses and we would make these incredible dinners. And our boys were all about the same age. And we had years where all of us were up till two or three o'clock in the morning, just having fun amongst ourselves. And so I agree with you. I'm you know, in my 20s and probably into my early 30s and my teens, I did a lot of like late night parties. And I agree with you as an introvert, I'm completely happy with less people and less noise and just kind of eating a really good meal and just being around people that I really like. Yeah. Very excited for this year and all the things. I feel like there are great things in store. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the time this episode comes out, I think we're going to have the announcements for my next supplement, which is exciting. And and I know for you, you just had a new supplement that came out. How are things going with berberine? So well. I'm just so grateful and so excited that it's really resonating with listeners. And I think it's doing a lot of good. And oh yeah, that was something that was really exciting. There was a few different articles that came out over the holidays. And one was in like, you know, like Yahoo News, like it was like a countdown of wellness products for 2023. So it's really exciting to see things like that. I mean, it makes me feel like a real entrepreneur. Like I don't really feel like a real business woman. But then when things like that happen, I'm like, okay, maybe. <laughs> and I'll line up next to other like quote, real things. So I'm excited. I don't think I know your next supplement. Yeah, it's myo-inositol. So for listeners, if they're familiar with that, it is a supplement that is very well researched and one that typically we see associated with metabolic inflexibility, you know, insulin issues, insulin resistance, polycystic ovarian syndrome, but there's a lot of really good research about sleep and brain health. And in keeping with my theme, which is related to metabolic flexibility and brain health, 
that is the next supplement. And I've been taking myo-inositol. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a tongue twister to say it. So we're trying to come up with ways to make it a little more approachable. Inositol, it's one form of inositol. We're coming up with ways to make it easier for people to say, but I've been taking it every single night to help with sleep. And I've been recommending it to most, if not all of my patients and clients. And there's been some pretty incredible breakthroughs, not only with reduction in insulin resistance, but also, you know, sleep latency. So able to fall asleep faster. And if they're waking up in the middle of the night, it's able to able to help with that as well. So that will be the next product that's coming out. It's probably going to be another powder. I'm kind of a a sleep stacker. You know, there's usually a couple of products that I will take together. And I put this in my water at the tail end of my feeding window and sip on that along with some magnesium L3 and 8 along with my other sleep stack. But this is the first of several products. There will be another one coming out fairly soon after that's going to tie into that sleep theme that I'm really excited about. Oh, wow. Okay. That's really cool. I I mean, I was familiar with inositol, but if you had asked me, I would not have been able to tell you the benefits at all. So I learned a lot just now. And then I wasn't familiar at all with that version of it, my inositol. Yeah. And it's interesting because most of what people think about when they consider that particular supplement is, oh, it's great for PCOS. And it is indeed, but you know, it's inflammation reduction. And I think for the bulk of our population, which we know only 78% of our population, and I'm so speaking way outside the context of just this podcast, is not metabolically healthy. This is one of many aspects and strategies that can be utilized. And it's really well tolerated. And I think that's really important because there are certainly some like big gun uh, supplements that are out there where people, they may move the needle a bit faster, but they may also have the the issue related to side effects. And so this is gentle and, you know, to me, it's cumulative use that will help with sleep. And, and so many middle-aged women really struggle with sleep. And it's not just about replacing hormones, there's other ways to kind of layer and support. So I'm, I'm really excited. For listeners, you probably don't get the opportunity to read all of the behind the scenes stuff that goes on with supplement creation. But Melanie has been a huge supporter and has given lots of objective, which is what real friends do, objective input with regard to product launches and messaging. And so Thank you again for, you know, convincing me this is the right direction to go and as opposed to white labeling, which for listeners means for a long time I was white labeling supplements created by Designs for Health as my own, which you can do legally, but this allows me to completely tailor everything to my specifications and I would imagine that your specifications and mine are superior to a lot of other products that are on the market in terms of what we want or don't want in our supplement line or powders. Oh no, like 100%. It's so funny because I honestly can say like the versions of the supplements that I've made, there's not anything else on the market that I would trust. Like I wouldn't even take, like with serapeptase in particular, I wouldn't take any of the alternatives on the market. There's some magnesiums and some berberine that I would, but it's so nice to just with the craziness of the supplement industry to to finally be able to make exactly what we want to make and also to educate listeners about these things. So I'm just, I'm just really, really grateful. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, you know, I have always been a proponent of talking to patients about quality of supplements and why it's important to do your due diligence. And, you know, even if you go into Whole Foods, which is not a knock on Whole Foods, you can find good quality things. You can also find a lot of junk, 
as an example, there was a product that I had sent my husband to Whole Foods to pick up. And, you know, he's very diligent about checking food labels, but got home and we realized the product had soybean oil in it. Back to the store it went. But the point I'm making is that you have to be really diligent. You know, what's added to the supplements? What types of oils are they using, if at all? Getting really granular and clear. And for me, and I know we're in alignment in this, I would rather stack one supplement at a time than have combinations of supplements. There's a lot of good products that are out there that are, you know, different types of adaptogens and different types of products, but then you don't know what actually works. Whereas if you're stacking one product at a time, you can determine, you know, how do you react to that product? How do you feel with that product before you layer in something else? And I, I think that's that's very insightful. Yeah, I could not agree more. That's actually one of my main things as well. And it's so cool that we're both aligned with that, the single ingredient thing. Not to say that I wouldn't make blends and like the magnesium is a blend, for example, but it's all magnesiums. There's so many like longevity blends and it's like all these different things or digestive blends and it's all different things. And like you said, how do you know what's doing what? And then you can't tailor accordingly. Like some of the ingredients might be working for you and some might not. And so, yeah, I like... I like control. It's a control freak. <laughs> well, I think it's also my clinician background because I learned that, you know, certain drugs were really efficacious and very effective. And then sometimes when there's a lot of medications on the market, for, as an example, sometimes you can get a blood pressure medication with a cholesterol medicine at the same time. They put them together. And yes, that means someone's taking one less pill. But then if they have a side effect, we didn't always know it was driving it. We had, you know, indicators based on what the side effects were, but it sometimes got it harder to tease out. And I would drive my drug reps crazy because I was the person that would use single drug agents instead of using the quote unquote newest and latest. And I would tell them, well, show me the data that this is more efficacious because this drug costs my patient $5 and what you're recommending is a drug that's going to cost them $50 out of pocket every month and they're on a fixed income. They're retired. So, you know, for the same purposes, I, I, I try to be mindful and thoughtful about what the next, you know, needle mover is going to be. What are things people can use throughout the day? Like as a, an example, for people that have polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, the indications for inositol as an example are twice daily dosing versus someone that you know, it was just using it for sleep properties. And so, you know, we're giving people parameters with which to move within, but also giving them for the most part, single supplement options at a time, just so that it makes it easier to add things together. That's just, I, I think ease of use is, is huge for me. Yeah. I think that's so important. I'm glad you mentioned the three and eight, because that will probably be my next release, which a lot of listeners actually who bought Magnesium 8 when it launched, the launch special included a special code for the Magnesium 3 and 8. And that's a situation where I wanted to separate it out by itself because of its specific benefits for that type of magnesium, which is you know, as you're familiar with it, crosses the blood brain barrier and can really help with sleep and relaxation. And so that's a situation where it's like, we really want to have that as a standalone. So yeah. So for listeners to get updates for both of us, if they want updates for Avalon X supplements, which are mine, they can go to avalonx.us slash email list, or they can text Avalon X to 877-861-8318. And when you text that number, Avalon X, you will get a 20% off one-time use code, which is awesome. And then how can people get updates for yours, Cynthia? 
We decided to make it easy because no one knows how to pronounce or even spell myo-inositol. So we're doing backslash supplements so that people can get on those lists. We're just trying to make it as easy as possible because for this creatine launch that came out, which has been great, well, by the time this comes out, we'll be talking about, you know, where people can buy into, you know, monthly subscriptions or every couple of months subscriptions, trying to keep it as simple as possible so that no one's navigating trying to find it on a website, which, you know, we live and learn. We, we, we are learning more with each launch what not to do and what works and what doesn't work. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get free Manuka honey. And if you know what that means, then you know what that means. And if you don't know what that means, I'm about to tell you what that means. So back in the darkest days of my digestive issues and chronic fatigue and all the things, I was researching anything and everything to try and get my health back. And that's when I first came across the concept of Manuka honey. So I knew honey was supposed to have health benefits but there was something special about Manuka honey in particular. It is a special type of honey only found in the remote and magical forests of New Zealand. The bees actually feed on the highly active nectar of the Manuka tea tree, and they make a super honey that is honestly unlike anything you have ever seen or tasted before. So Manuka honey is a super honey because of its unique antioxidant and prebiotic properties. So honey in general has those properties. Honey also has hydrogen peroxide activity, which can have a beneficial effect on your gut and health, but Manuka honey in particular has a different natural antibacterial compound called MGO that only comes from the nectar of this Manuka tea tree. They actually measure it. I think it's really funny. They call it non-peroxide activity. So the nutrients in Manuka honey can help support optimal immune and digestive health. I personally found that when I was using Manuka honey, it had an incredible effect on my gut and I became really obsessed with finding the best of the best because there is a lot of controversy out there about Manuka honey and it can be difficult to make sure that you're getting a certified verified source that is actually the stuff that you want. That's why I was so, so thrilled when Manukora reached out to me. They make a Manuka honey. And what I'm really excited about is they have all of the transparency that I'm looking for. When I did the onboarding call with the brand, I was so impressed with their story, their authenticity, their knowledge, and their mission with Manuka honey. Their honey can be traced back to a single origin through a unique QR authenticity platform. I love that. The honey is free from environmental toxins, free of glyphosate residue, non-GMO, gluten-free, it's raw, and like I said, 100% traceable. They're also a certified B Corp, and something super important to me, they really take care of their bees. So the beekeepers actually manage the hive numbers to ensure that the bees have access to diverse pollen sources and plenty of nectar to feed on to avoid any risk of overstocking the bees. They're never fed refined sugar. There's no excessive hive transportation. The hives don't need to be shifted around for pollination practices. They also help support local communities. Like I said, I've been a fan of Manuka honey for so long, so it's really exciting to partner with this company. Plus the honey tastes delicious. You can incorporate Manukora into your food choices, into your diet, or you can use it as a supplement, taking some of it daily to help support your immunity, your GI health, and so much more. Manukora's Super Honey is available in a range of easy-to-use formats, including jars, squeeze bottles, and 100% completely compostable packets. Friends, that is so hard to find. So you can eat it straight or add it to your favorite food or beverage. 
If you head to manukora.com slash IF podcast, you'll automatically get a free pack of honey sticks with your order. That is a $15 value. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A.com slash IF podcast to get a free pack of honey sticks with your order. Friends, it's called honey with superpowers for good reason. So get on it and try this delicious, creamy caramel honey, and you won't look back with Manukora. That's manukora.com slash IF podcast for free Manuka honey sticks. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. Okie dokie. Shall we jump into everything for today? Absolutely. So for listeners, we got so many amazing questions when we asked for AMA. So we're just continuing in this vein, probably going to do this one and maybe one more episode just for a grab bag of goodies of topics, health and personal and all the things. So to start things off, okay, this is from Eileen. What would you consider your best life hack? Okay, I'm going to not say fasting because that would be expected. High quality sleep, it's not a sexy answer, but I fervently believe if you are getting high quality sleep, everything else falls into place. Your blood sugar, better hormonal regulation, better food choices, ability to exercise and have great mentation. And so I would say high quality sleep is probably the one thing that is foundational to our health and really important. I I think that I didn't fully appreciate until I really got into the research why sleep is so critically important. And it actually, as a healthcare provider, it's disturbing that so many healthcare providers are expected to skimp on sleep in order to take care of patients. And, And I say this lovingly, you know, we do it without question when we need to, But when we're telling our patients to get high quality sleep and to go to bed earlier and not be on screens until two o'clock in the morning, and we're doing exactly the opposite, we're not, you know, mimicking good behavior for our patients. But that's probably my, my A number one foundational element to anything that I do. How about you? Well, that's a really great answer. And it's really interesting that we, we, I think we frame the question differently. Like I didn't even think about like diet or fitness or physical. I was thinking more in like, mental side of things. So that's really interesting. Although intermittent fasting would be a really good answer, I think, because of just, I mean, I mean, it really is the ultimate life hack in a way, because not only does it address the the dietary issues that we, you know, face today with metabolic syndrome and the obesity epidemic and all these things. But on top of that, you also get back like time, you lose your anxiety surrounding eating, However, that is not what I chose. (laughs) I picked gratitude actually, because I think we have so much fear and anxiety today and stress. And I love the concept that you can't be in a state of gratitude and a state of fear at the same time. So I really just think it's the ultimate hack for immediately changing your mindset, like literally, if you're stressed, you know, think of something you're grateful for. And at that moment, you will not at least at that literal moment be stressed. And then on top of that, just the benefits surrounding it health-wise are incredible. Even things like loving kindness meditations. I was reading about that in a book that I'm reading right now about the brain actually and studies they've done on that and its effect on health biomarkers and mental health and wellness and brain health. And so yeah, I pick gratitude. It's a life hack. I think that's really important. You know, Ben Azadi is a good friend and he talks about vitamin G 
as a way to, you know, be thinking about gratitude every day. And I agree with you that it is an underappreciated life hack. It is certainly something that has been played out in my life over the past four years. You know, anytime I think things are getting tough, I have to remind myself that I have so much to be grateful for. And it always allows me to kind of pass through whatever discomfort I'm experiencing emotionally or otherwise. And so definitely something, if you're not practicing that regularly, definitely give that a consideration. Yeah. And I think also linked to it, the focus on the present moment that it causes. I was reading about, I might've mentioned this on the show before, when I interviewed Seth Stephen Davidowitz, uh, who wrote the book, Don't Trust Your Gut, about all about data, and not him, but there was a study where they had people do an app and it checked in randomly all throughout the day and asked them, what were they doing and were they happy? They found that people, this was really interesting, you're happier thinking about something neutral in the present moment. It might have even been bad. I have to double check. But it was definitely like neutral. Then you are thinking about something happy in the future. So basically focusing on the present moment can just have an incredible effect. So I like tying that in as well. Yes. It's all good. It is. And actually since sort of related, since we're talking about hacks, Mary Jane said, what are some of the other habits or things you do that you've maybe never talked about on the podcast, like infrared saunas, ankle and wrist weights, et cetera, but new ones? I think zone two training is something that I've been very focused on the past, probably the past year in conjunction with regular strength training and then, you know, doing Pilates or solid core Zone two training, I I have to fully admit that my functional medicine doc and my trainer both are really into zone two training. So keeping your heart rate, for me being 51, that means my heart rate's under 129 while I'm exercising. So enough that you can comfortably have a conversation, but you're still exercising. And for me, a lot of what I do is walking and I can, I know exactly what cadence. So if the weather's bad outside or raining, I can walk on my treadmill inside and I know exactly where my heart rate is. And if I'm walking too fast, I can slow my pace down. Same thing with walking hills in my neighborhood. I'm in a very hilly part of Virginia. That for me, I think has really been very impactful. And I probably haven't talked about it because it doesn't sound like a particularly sexy topic, but one that I think most people, if they've been conditioned to believe that doing a lot of HIT, which HIT should be brief, like 10 minutes long, or if they're doing chronic cardio and they're wondering why it's not working for them, physiologically or in terms of body composition, whatever it is they're trying to improve. Zone two training for both my physician and my trainer is very important, especially for where I am life stage wise. And actually Peter Atia talks about it quite a bit as well. It's funny you talking about that. I was just getting hit with all of these things I've heard Peter Atia talk about who I'm still trying to book for the show because he has a new book coming out. I tried pitching him. They responded to me. I was really excited. I tried very hard because I was like, I am a Hopkins alum. I was there when he was training, although he was in the bowels of the hospital and I was in the ER. But you know what? I just wanted to interject. If you haven't already listened to the latest podcast with him with the neurocognitive, it's like a two hour and 40 minute podcast, which is super long. I've listened to it twice. I've recommended it to nearly every person I know, non-clinician and otherwise, really superlative podcasts and completely blew my mind about different types of proteins and how we approach neurocognitive disorders. Really smart female physician whose name evades me because I'm terrible with names. 
I did listen. I didn't realize until like the very end that she's in his practice. I don't think he mentioned that in the beginning. He might have. I'm so annoyed at myself. I had pitched them early December. And so when I'm writing an email that I'm like, want to be the perfect email, I put in my email address so that I don't accidentally send it soon to somebody else. So I realized when I sent it to them, I didn't actually send it to them because I was going back to follow. I was like, I haven't heard back. So I went to follow up and I was like, oh, (laughs) that explains a lot. So I just resent it. Did they book you? Well, what they said was a very nice gentleman actually apologized for not answering for nine days, which I was like, that's a good sign. And then I explained, you know, the podcast reach and who I am and my background and how we both shared time at Hopkins and how I, you know, was a huge proponent. And and I said, if there's any way I can support his book launch, that's kind of how I left it. (laughs) So they said, this all looks really good. We'll be back in touch. I would imagine, this is my thinking process. I would imagine when you're at that level, like Peter Atia level, I'm assuming he's not going to be doing tons and tons of press. I think he's going to be selective. So even if I don't get him as a guest, I will still be super, super supportive of the launch. So I'm just kind of leaving it out there in the universe that I'm completely open to the possibility, but I will not be disappointed if I am not one of the people that interviews him. I'll just be super excited to listen to him on other people's podcasts. But I know he was not wanting to do the the audiobook. <laughs> he wanted to have someone else narrate it. And I was cracking up listening to him explain that he actually did narrate the book. And I was like, I'm really glad that you did that. But it is, and as you as a trained thespian, I'm sure you probably can't appreciate this, but I had no idea how much work goes into an audiobook in terms of like just the degree of proper alliteration of words and diction. And I actually said to the producer, because my producer was particularly picky, which is her job. I was like, what do people do that don't articulate or don't have good diction? And she just laughed. (laughs) She was like, they do a lot more recording than you will be doing. And I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, very humbly, I just say, "I'm, I'm not a thespian. Anyway, I'm down a rabbit hole, but I hope that you get to interview him. And I will certainly like be super supportive if that happens, but I'm kind of like cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I have no idea if this is going to (laughs) manifest. It's like my dream. (laughs) We shall see. I'll try not to fan geek too much if I get to talk to him. So I'm always prepping shows all the time. I have this one evergreen document called Peter Atia because I'm listening to him all the time. So anytime he says something where I can tell like it's a subject that's really random that he's really interested in and I'm also interested in and he has like an interesting thought, I write it down. So (laughs) So like I will have like... Like I have like a two years worth of random insight from him <laughs> that I can tie into the interview. I think that's awesome. No, he's, I think he's intense and brilliant and just very intense. Like my husband now listens to Peter Atia and he's an engineer. My husband's an engineer. So it gives you an idea of how his brain works. And sometimes he walks around and he's like, whoa, that guy's intense. I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's who you want as your physician. You want someone who's intense and methodical. It's all good. I know. So someday, someday. So my answers for the hacks, it's interesting. A lot of them I have talked about in the show. So I guess I shouldn't say though. I mean, my exercise related one, or it's not hacks, it's habits and things that you do. My exercise one is M sculpt, but I've talked about that all the time, the, the muscle building. I can comment on it and that I have started doing different body areas with it and I've seen really incredible effects. Like I started doing inner and outer thigh 
And it's kind of profound how it, I think it like does things to you and your legs that you would have to do, I think, very specific exercises for a long time to see benefits. I'm loving that. Does it hurt? It doesn't hurt. So you get to, (laughs) you pick the intensity so you can work your way up and you get used to it. It's unpleasant. And depending on which area it is, it's some are worse than others. Like the glutes, those are the easiest. I've been doing those most recently and those are pretty easy. Oh, inner and outer thigh actually are not that bad. The outer thigh a little bit, it's more unpleasant, but they can adjust the intensity and you work your way up. It's all very interesting. I know very little about that. It's incredible. (laughs) It literally builds muscle, like literally and burns fat. And I really see the difference. Actually, that reminds me of something I hadn't written down for this, but I've started doing a little bit of peptides, which I had not done before. So injections of peptides. So I think that's something that's pretty cool because I was having some knee pain. Okay. And then another one, this is so funny. I had this on the list and I couldn't even remember if we had booked them for this show, but I just realized they are actually sponsoring this episode. I did not plan this. I couldn't even remember if they were sponsoring this show or not in comparison to my other Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. I am obsessed with my Lomi. Do you have one, Cynthia? Did they send you one? They did not send me one. Okay. I'll have to email them. So friends, listen to the ad that we're running for them. I'm obsessed. I bought one all by myself for my parents for Christmas. That's how much I love it. It's a composter. And I've been wanting to compost for a long time, but it seemed very intimidating and complicated. And I didn't want to get into that. And so when they reached out, I was really excited. And this is revolutionizing my experience of my food and of my like trash waste habit because I eat so many cucumbers, as listeners know. And so I would fill up these trash bags all the time with all these scraps and everything. And now I just put them in my Lomi every night. You run it overnight. It's dirt in the morning. It's mind-blowing. And then you can use that dirt outside. You can grow with it. They come with these, these little pellet things that you can put in to make it more microbial rich. So yeah, I'm like all about the composting. And it's so quiet. You don't even hear it. And it's easy to clean up. You don't even have to clean it that much. I don't even, I like, I don't clean it in between cycles. I clean it like once a week. So composting, Lomi. Well, it's interesting. So we, the neighborhood we lived in in Northern Virginia was very strict. They wouldn't allow us, my husband likes to garden. So Todd is like this renaissance man. He kind of does a lot of different things and he really wanted a composting area in the backyard and they wouldn't allow us to do that. Now we're in a different neighborhood. They're strict about some things and not about others. But I think like having a compost would be, he would be so happy. It goes inside in your kitchen and it's like the size of maybe two Instapots together. If you could take it the Instapot and make it like a little bit bigger or crock pot and make it twice the size. And it's sleek looking. So you can compost without doing everything outside. That's so cool. So our offer is you can go to lomi.com slash ifpodcast and use the promo code ifpodcast. And that will get you $50 off. Cannot recommend this thing enough. I'm obsessed. So yeah, so that's something new. And then I think I had, oh, so one that I talked about before in the show, but I just want to emphasize it because I've upgraded my version of it a little bit. Okay, one last one. It's funny because you were saying that your answer, Cynthia, was not a sexy answer. I have a sexy answer for this question. I don't know if I've shared this on the show or if I should. I was going to share my V-Fit, but 
I'm still like in the beginning stages. Your what? It's called a V-Fit. Oh, what is that? It is essentially a device with red light therapy that's supposed to help build up collagen and elastin in your vagina. Oh, nice. I just got it. I've, I've used it twice, but like Mindy Peltz has been suggesting I do this for like a year and I bought it. And my husband was like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> do you stick it in like a tampon? It looks like a, it looks like a dildo. Oh. I'll take a picture of it for you. Large? Yes. And it has red light? But it's not like, it's only probably like four inches that's inserted inside. It's just designed to be like comfortable to hold. Wow. (laughs) That's cool. I support that. Yes. I was going to say, if we're going to talk about like, I was like, that's probably the most interesting thing that I have recently started trying, but I, I haven't been using it long enough to be able to give a full report, but I have friends that swear by it. Wow. We should try to get them as a sponsor. Yeah, that would be nice, right? I'll reach out to them. My related answer, and if kids are listening, maybe pause for a second <laughs> for, the, for the moms, because I know they listen with families sometimes with their kids in the car. Mine would be, ever since I interviewed Dr. Stephanie Estima, she had her seven-day orgasm challenge that she said would have a profound effect on your health. And I started that, I mean, that was a while ago. That was probably a year ago. I just kept it up as an everyday orgasm challenge. It's literally, because you know how much I'm a planner and a scheduler? It's like literally like scheduled in to, to my <laughs> my life, my daily life. But I think that's important. I mean, if but nothing else, like one of the things that I think we've talked about tangentially on the podcast is my PMF mat. And it's like, I crave it in the morning and now I crave it in the evening. And my husband like walks in and just laughs at me because I'm lying on this mat And I'm usually, I've got like a blanket on top of me and I'm just so relaxing. And he just laughs at me and I'm like, I need 30 minutes of this in the morning. And he was like, whatever makes you happy. (laughs) And I try to do it at night because it's a time that I'm not, I'm not doing anything else. So I'm kind of like gearing down, but so relaxing and good for your mitochondrial health. I love it. All the things. Okay. So I had another one, but I think I'll use it in part to answer this next question. This is kind of like the life hack episode. So Mary Jane said, like switching to Redmond's or more natural salts or single source olive oil, what are some other relatively inexpensive and accessible changes people can make for the better? And I will say really quickly, thank you, Cynthia, so much. Cynthia sent me some wonderful olive oil for Christmas. So (laughs) thank you. Yeah, no, I think, you know, for me, I like to keep it really simple. Like Melanie mentioned, I sent her olive oil. And let me be clear, it is hard to send Melanie gifts because she has so many cool gadgets. And I couldn't send her scallops. It was literally impossible to do so. That was like high on the list. And then that just wasn't feasible. And cucumbers. So adorable that you were going to do Just that you thought about that. (laughs) Yes. So high quality olive oil, I think is really helpful. I do like Redmond's and for full transparency, that's the only salt we use in our home. I also think about using, like I'm a fan of make some things from scratch. And if you find a brand of product, whether it's a dressing or ketchup that you like, there's this company called Primal Keto. I have no affiliation with them. It's two, It's a women-owned business. And they have this spicy barbecue sauce that I use instead of ketchup. So for me, that bottle will last months because no one in my house wants it. It's just, I like it. And so I use that in lieu of making my own barbecue sauce or chosen brand avocado oil, 
they do have dressings, which I occasionally will use when I'm lazy. I think like high quality, I know you don't like olives. I love really high quality olives and a little bit of an olive snob. Sometimes I'll buy hearts of palm that are already done. Same thing with roasted red peppers. Again, like a high quality brand that doesn't have any junk in it. But those are the kinds of things I'll lean into, like salted macadamia nuts, just things that are easy, single ingredient or little to no ingredients that make my life a whole lot easier that are, you know, fairly inexpensive. Like nuts are not inexpensive, but if you portion them out and you go to Costco, they have salted macadamia nuts with no junk oils and they're amazing. How about you? I love that. To stay in the food realm, this is a hack I've done for a while, which is, especially if you can't afford, or if it's, you know, hard on your budget to have higher quality meats, you can get, like, I like getting the leaner cuts of meats and then making the fat come from like olive oil or coconut oil or MCT oil. Like you, you can kind of get the best of both worlds because at least for me, I feel like the majority of the issues with conventional agriculture for livestock a lot of those toxins are in the fat of the animal. So if you get like just really lean meat, then you can add like organic olive oil or organic coconut oil and things like that, where that will last longer. So I kind of like that little hack. And then also for like organic produce, the environmental working group and looking at their dirty dozen and clean 15. So then you can choose if you can only afford organic for some fruits and vegetables, then you can choose the non-organic for the ones that are on their clean 15 and then get organic for their dirty dozen. So I think that's helpful. And then also food still, because she's asking like, what are some easy, inexpensive, accessible things you can do to feel better? I don't think people realize, especially going out when they eat at restaurants, how once you learn how to order to make it healthier, it's really not that hard. Like I think people think it's, you know, picky and difficult and you're not gonna be able to find something at restaurants. But once you get the system down, because it's a very easy system, you can make most restaurants, you know, provide a dish for you that will be healthier for you and make you feel better the next day. The first step is just like for all the meat dishes and entrees, if you're getting like steak, salmon, fish, asking that it's not cooked, either not in oil at all or if it is that they use olive oil, because a lot of them, a lot of the restaurants use vegetable oils and seed oil. So that's like a really easy swap that you can make. I always just ask for it plain and then you can add like, you know, salt and pepper, but I tend to go really extreme with that. And also at restaurants, I always just ask for the vegetables that I want and they usually have it, even if it's not on the menu. Like spinach, for example, I'll ask for like steamed spinach. And even if it's not one of the side dishes they have, usually they can modify it. Like restaurants are pretty good at that. So I think that's a hack. And then also when you're getting wine, when you're out at restaurants, look up all of the wines. And I know we're big fans of dry farm wines around here and really dry from wines. I feel so different drinking it because it's low sugar, low alcohol, tested to be organic, free of pesticides, mold, toxins, all the things. It's the only thing I drink at home. If listeners want a bottle for a penny, they can go to dryfromwines.com slash I have podcast and that will get them a bottle for a penny. However, when you are out at restaurants and bars, look up the wines, just type in the winery and then type in organic in Google and you'll find immediately which ones are organic or not. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of wineries that are practicing organic practices. They just don't have organic certification because of all the the hassles and everything with that. And then that would be like USDA organic. 
So backtracking with the wines. If you want to get as close to dry farm wines as possible when you're ordering out, pick European. I usually favor like French and Italian. And then look up the winery, type in organic, see if it says that they're practicing organic. And then if you want to go one step further beyond that to really try to mimic dry farm wines, look up a picture of the label. We'll type in the actual wine and type in ABV and it might come up with the alcohol by volume. Dry farm wines are all 12.5 or less. So look for ones that are 12.5 or 13% wine. And then if you can't find it that way, look up the label. You can usually see the alcohol on the label. And then if you want to go the final step, you can get the Vivino app and look up the wine and see if people are ranking it as dry or not, just taste-wise. And so then you can find ones with low sugar. I've been so impressed with myself. Like I've gone on quite a few dinners recently where we bought a really nice bottle of wine. So it was really up to me to just research and try to figure out which one I thought would be very dry farm wines-esque. And every time it tasted like dry farm wines and I felt good the next day. So that was a long education about how to order wine at restaurants. No, that's so helpful. And the one thing that I would encourage everyone to not feel any sense of guilt. I think we as women more often than not feel guilty when we're advocating for ourselves in restaurants. I actually tell people I have a seed oil allergy. So they take it really seriously. And it's surprising, like you can get your steak or your chicken or your fish or whatever you're having. And I have colleagues in the health and wellness space that do the same. And I I generally, if I tell people that they take it pretty seriously, I think seed oils are one of the easiest things to try to avoid or just ask like, what is the dressing made with? What are they cooking their your meat in or your fish in? And it's not surprising that more often than not, they're happy to cook it in butter or they're happy to find an alternative. And as Melanie suggested, more often than not, they have more vegetables than what's on the the menu. So those are great suggestions. Thank you for saying that about the, not that it's like standing up for yourself, but it can be intimidating. And the main pushback I usually get from servers is they just don't believe me that I'm going to like the way it tastes if I order it that way. And I'm like, listen, like, this is what I like. Trust me. I will love it. Oh, here's a hack you can do. If you are low carb, I think we talked about this on the show already. I think you can order like an appetizer as a savory dessert, get like another round of salmon or something. Just let the kitchen know early on. And then just two more quick things. One, Castile soap. I use Cove unscented Castile soap from Amazon. You can use it for so many things. I use it to clean my face for the dishes. You can make laundry detergent out of it. You can make washing machine stuff with it. But yeah, Castile soap is incredible. And then very last thing, I've talked about this on the show as well, but I am doing it more and more and making more and more adjustments. If you replace all of your plates and bowls and stuff with very heavy alternatives, you get a nice little workout every night when you are moving your stuff around. So I use like cast iron bowls. I got this cast iron La Crusette Harry Potter casserole dish that I keep my cilantro in because I eat a lot of cilantro. It is the heaviest thing. It is so heavy. It is overwhelmingly heavy. And so I I get cilantro out back and forth multiple times throughout the evening. It integrates some like physical movement into your, your daily life. So I'm all about the heavy things. Absolutely. I take AG1 several times a week 
after working out and when I'm ready to break my fast. And it really makes me feel unstoppable. I love to add it to a protein smoothie or actually will drink it with filtered water. And I love both variations. My 17 year old also enjoys AG1 after a workout to ensure he stays really well hydrated. A great deal of what I focus on in my personal life is ongoing gut health improvement. And I do feel fundamentally that AG1 has contributed significantly to improvements in my gut health over the last three years. I feel as if the key health benefits from multivitamins, minerals, pre and postbiotics all work together synergistically to improve my gut microbiome. And AG1 is way more than just greens. It's important to note that it's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients that deliver incredible benefits to the gut microbiome, as well as sleep support, assistance with energy, and so much more. So if you want to take full ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I find that these five free travel packs are so convenient when you're traveling. In fact, I was in Los Angeles last week and I used one each day that I was away. Go to athleticgreens.com slash ifpodcast. That's athleticgreens.com slash ifpodcast and check it out. So now we have a question from Laura. This is a little bit of a different topic. And she says, what is your favorite vacation and or what's your bucket list trip? Okay, this is probably one of my favorite questions. And anyone that knows me knows that I live to travel. It is one of my favorite, favorite things to do in the world. And I hope my children develop a love and appreciation for travel. I've been fortunate to have been a lot of places. I would say my favorite vacation I've taken with my husband was Rwanda. So we've been to Africa several times. And I was surprised at how much I I mean, I knew I was going to love it. But Rwanda was so clean, the people were so gracious, seeing the apes up close was life changing. It was just like one of my favorite vacations. And then I would say with my kids and my husband, Eastern Europe this past summer, I know Melanie, and I've talked a lot about this Vanessa lives in Prague. I was humbly stunned at how much we loved Prague. We loved Eastern Europe. Just We were just awed by how wonderful the people were. It was beautiful. The food was great. And in terms of what's on my bucket list, I've got a lot of things. And there are going to be trips that we're going to take. My husband and I will take when the kids are in college. We've just decided that some of these trips are just too far. And I need to know my kids are like in a safe place before I leave because it would be too much to ask a family member to be at our home for a couple of weeks. So I would say probably top of the list is New Zealand and Australia. And then my husband did a lot of Asia travel when we were first married and I wasn't able to go because I was working as an NP back then. And then we started having a family very soon into our, our marriage. So I would say for me, like really seeing the highlights of Asia, like I'd like to go to Southeast Asia. I'd love to see Singapore and Hong Kong and then go to Cambodia and Vietnam. Those are probably towards the very top of the list. Beyond that, like Argentina and Chile are definitely up there as well. Like those are, those are the ones that, you know, the Asia, New Zealand, Australia trips are going to be longer trips. So they're also in there as well as Botswana and Namibia, which are parts of Africa that I've not yet seen, but we really want to go to. 
How about you? I know you're you're not as much of an avid traveler as I am, but like that was like one of my favorite questions. Well, it's funny. So growing up, I traveled a ton and my family still travels because we have family in Germany. And so we, we would go to Germany and then we would go to another country. Yeah. Now I get, it's like my Achilles heel. Honestly, I get anxiety surrounding travel and I've I'm a lot better now at making baby steps, but it's not my favorite thing. Like if I could just pop up somewhere and then pop up back in my apartment and go to sleep at night, of course I would. But it's the whole, the whole everything, like this, how it affects your sleep and your digestion and all of that. So it's something I'm working on all the time, especially with my therapist. But so my favorite place, this is even with all of the places we've been internationally. I am obsessed with Epcot. <laughs> In Disney World. Like, I'm really, really obsessed. It's a happy place. It's so happy. And Disney World in general, I'm just obsessed. So I would actually just love to to go back there. Interestingly, New Zealand actually would be... That's the first thing I thought of. I would love to go back to Paris. This is such a weird reason. Well, A, I loved it when we went. And I loved seeing the catacombs. And I loved just seeing Paris. I want to go back now when I'm like not as intimidated by the world. Like when I went, I was in high school and I was very much intimidated by, I mean, like social cliques and things like that. And Paris is just like the cool place. So (laughs) I would like to go now where I like that stuff doesn't matter to me. And I just feel like that would not be a thing in my head, if that makes sense. Like I felt intimidated by the city. It's funny how, you know, for me, I didn't grow up with parents that were able to take us on like big vacations outside the United States. So the first time I left the United States was in, was when I was 25. So certainly, you know, old enough to, to be able to do that. But I, I feel like every decade of my life, I get different things out of travel, whether it's in the United States or outside the United States. And so now I'm at a point in my life where I just notice a lot more things. Like I'm much more like a sensitive and attuned to what's going on than I probably was when I was younger, when it was just like, oh, I want to go here and I want to go there and I want to do this. And I definitely savor more when I travel, irrespective of where I'm going. Like I may really like sit and pay attention to the flowers and the trees and be less focused on the big things. It's like suddenly the little things have become the big things, but I hope that you get back to Paris. It's a, such an amazing city. And I'm, I always say like, I'm such a Francophile. Like I love the architecture and I've never experienced Parisians being rude to me, but there's just something very cool about the culture. And to me, I just kind of savor how differently different cultures or different countries live their lives. And, you know, just kind of the Parisians are just much like New Yorkers. There's just a, a certain je ne sais quoi. Like there's just such a unique way that they appreciate the way that they live their lives and the way that they focus in on certain metrics over other things. And and the other thing that I think I really appreciate when I travel is a lot of the way Americans live is a byproduct of, you know, they have to live in a big house, they have to have a big yard, they have to have a big car. And when I travel internationally, I'm like, I could be happy with a lot less and just do more with my life. And so obviously that's a very personal decision and there's no judgment in what I'm saying. But when I travel to other countries, I realize like most people don't live amongst a lot of stuff. They're just very grateful for the things that they have. And and that can be very transformative. Yeah. I love that. You would love my sister. She, she's a minimalist and she, tra- she goes everywhere like everywhere. She's always traveling. She travels everywhere with like a tiny suitcase for like weeks. I'm like, how do you, 
how do you do that? You do laundry in your hotel room. We've started doing that. Actually, I'm, I'm going to London with my cousin, who's one of my favorite people in the world in early February. And I told her she's a big fashionista. And I told her, I was like, I'm bringing a carry on. That's all I'm bringing. And I'm like, whatever I wear, I'm wearing. And I'm not stressing about it <laughs> because checking bags when you travel can be, it's a little dicey. And so sometimes it's easier to travel with less and just like get your laundry done at the hotel or wash it in your hotel room. So you don't have to worry about bringing too much stuff. That's why I always believe like the capsule wardrobe is a thing when you travel. So super helpful. So yeah, your sister, your sister is definitely ahead of the game. I literally will, you know, if I have to go stay at a hotel downtown overnight, I bring like a massive suitcase. So I have work to do there. Actually, speaking of my sister, this is not my sister, but it's the same name. Danielle said, given the opportunity to go to space, would you go? What would you want to study there? Oh God, I would not want to go to space. I'm admittedly one of those people, like I grew up in New Jersey and, you know, Great Adventure was very close to where I grew up. So if anyone's familiar with central New Jersey, I grew up at the at the shore, the shore. I did the roller coasters. I did every probably unsafe. So imagine like in the 1980s and 90s, probably not the safest, you know, amusement park to go to. I've done it all, but I've learned. I actually don't like being that out of control. So for me, I would not enjoy not being in control of what was going on. I I will leave that to the astronauts and the people that are interested in space travel. I am terribly claustrophobic, although I deal with it. I would not want to study anything. Like I, I don't mind studying things here on earth, but I would not want to go study other people or planets or things because the claustrophobia would be a big issue for me, which probably I haven't talked about on this. Like I get into elevators and I have to really do a lot of mindset work to not get uncomfortable and sweat because I just don't like having a lot of people like in my space. Have I ever talked about that before? About the claustrophobia? My weird quirkiness about, yeah, claustrophobia. I'm claustrophobic. I don't think we've talked about it. I would not be a good space person. I will leave that to the experts. Have you taken the test? It's like the phobia test. There's two types of claustrophobia. Did you know that? It'll tell you which one you have. I did not. Oh, so would you like to know the two types? Because, okay, this, this made me so excited because I was taking the test and there were these things that it would list that freak me out. And I was so happy because I was like, oh my goodness, this is like a thing. Like, it's not just me panicking about this. So in the claustrophobia one, it's things like, you know, in an elevator, which actually doesn't bother me. Like, are you bothered by an elevator? If there's too many people in the elevator? Yes. Okay. See, so that actually doesn't bother me. We, we probably have the two different types, but then there's things like in a straight jacket. Would that bother you? No. Oh, okay. So we have the two different types. This one that, that was on there was like, made me so happy. Something that will make me panic, like panic is if I am trying on clothes in the dressing room and I can't get the shirt off. Do you have that experience? Yeah. I don't think that would bother me. It's definitely, I think to me, it's a personal space thing too. Like I'm definitely very cognizant of like personal space. Again, I think because I was, you know, in patients spaces all the time. So I was always very like cognizant of being in people's spaces. But yeah, when people are too close to me, I'm like strangers, I should specify. Friends and family different, but strangers in my personal space on an elevator, I don't love that. Yeah. You probably have the conventional form of claustrophobia, what people think of with claustrophobia, which is being in small spaces. Mine, which I thought was claustrophobia, they still said it is, but then they have like a subtype. 
It's actually fear of suffocation. Oh, I don't have that problem, thankfully. So all the things that I thought were claustrophobia, like getting stuck in an outfit or being in a straight jacket, things like that are actually a, it goes back to a suffocation fear. Isn't that so interesting? That is very interesting. I did not know there was a distinction. Yeah, me, me neither. So to answer the space question for me, in theory, I would love to go. Getting there, that moment going up, I feel like I don't think I'd be down for that so much. And then I'm really stressed out by two things. One, the bathroom situation. I just don't think I can, I don't think I can do it. I'd ha- I realized I'd have to be carnivore. I'd have to just like get rid of bowel movements mostly. <laughs> and I would not want the effects on my muscles, the lack of weight bearing exercise. So I got to wait until we got like a gravity thing going on up there. I would want to study the aliens for sure. <laughs> of course you would. And one last thing, this is actually a very interesting health fact that I just learned. Did you know when astronauts go to space, they often get sick, like viruses and things like that, which doesn't make sense because they're not exposed to other people and viruses. And so they think it's probably because when people go to space, their immune system goes down for a lot of reasons. Likely a major part of it might be the social isolation. And that makes these dormant viruses that we all naturally have in us that our immune system normally suppresses flare up. So astronauts often get sick from viruses already inside of them when they go to space. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, they get a reactivation of the virus. Interesting. So yeah, fun times. I guess neither of us will be going to space then. No, Mm-mm. never. Here's one last fun one to end on. Do you listen to any non-health related podcasts? I do, although admittedly not a lot. And actually, when I saw this question, I immediately went to my library to see what are the non-health-related podcasts that I listen to. And so I listen to, so I guess it depends. Like there's a continuum, Jenna Kutcher's podcast, which is The Gold Digger, and then Amy Porterfield's podcast, the name of which evades me. But I find that I just, and Mel Robbins, which is more mindset, but I just find for me at the stage of life I'm in, I'm just, I want to learn so much that I would be lying if I said I listened to those podcasts on the regular. Yeah. That's kind of where I am. Like I have like four or five that I never miss. And then there are others that I'll, you know, kind of bounce around like listening to them. And yeah, it's, I I would be lying if I were to say, and it's not that I don't work on mindset. I do, but I'm usually listening to a book, like the mindset books I listen to. And I lean more into those than listening to a podcast around like mindset or non-healthcare related stuff. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Most of mine are health and wellness. Although interestingly, I've been listening to podcasts since middle school and I got hooked on podcasts when I started listening. I don't listen to it anymore, but it was called WDW Today. It was all about Walt Disney World. I lived for that podcast. I would listen to it every single day. I was obsessed with Disney World, like obsessed. And so now really the only one is I listen to Joe Rogan and half the time I listen to guests where it is health and wellness, but sometimes it's not. Like I listened to one the other night with the beekeeper woman, Erica Thompson, I think. It was like three hours about bees. It was so fascinating. I learned so much. I mean, I think for both of us, like we're very cerebral and we love to learn. So I always jokingly tell my husband that if I took out like the household responsibilities, the kids, the dogs, and I could just learn, I would just nerd out all day long. Like he sometimes will say to me, can't you just like unplug your brain and just 
read for pleasure. And I'm like, I have one book I've read in the last year for pleasure, like really just like a non, you know, fiction book. But I'm like, I really enjoy learning. Like that actually brings me joy. So I do too. And that's why I I love podcasts. And I love learning like just random stuff. Like, did you know you've probably never seen a male bee? I did not know that. Aren't they the workers? The workers are females. Really? Where are the male bees? See, I don't know anything about this, obviously. They're just there for like basically reproduction. And when they're doing their thing, they, they have this like reproduction swarm hub thing and it's way up in the sky. <laughs> and the queen like goes up there. <laughs> it's crazy. I learned so much about bees. <laughs> so yeah, so all the like worker bees and the ones out with the flowers and doing their stuff, those are females. Wow. Yeah. And the book I'm reading right now, oh, it's so interesting. It's called Status Games. I just thought about it because it's about how we really judge wanting to have status or like wanting to be in a social hierarchy and we think it's bad. But basically she makes the case that it's all evolutionary and like the reason we have serotonin has to do with hierarchies and social dominance. Oh, that's why I thought about it because she talks about the hierarchies of different species and matriarchies versus patriarchies and it is fascinating. It is. See, you know, Melanie and I are well <laughs> are well suited for one another. We're at different life stages, but I jokingly told my husband the other day to his horror, I was like, maybe when the kids are done with college, I'll just go back and like when I'm retired and get a PhD. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I would just love to continue to learn. So now I'm saying that and I may decide I don't want to do that, but just like from the perspective of continuing to learn, I always love learning. But now people have so many options. They don't necessarily have to go back to school. You could just do continuing education. Like I bought a bunch of classes. Like there's a year-long class with A4M that I signed up for because they were having a big sale. And so this is one of the big functional medicine schools. And I signed up for it and I was like, okay, this is going to make sure I'm getting my continuing medical education. It means I'm learning new things. I'll be able to share with my listeners, our listeners, all the extraneous things that are floating around. No, I love it. I love that we have that in common. So, well, so much for getting through half of what we had left. <laughs> Just know we're, we're, we are, there are so many good questions. And I have to tell you that there is one person in particular, is it Danielle? Who asked like a million questions. Yeah, but they're good questions. Like I was like, wow. We had a lot of really good questions. And then I posted again because I wanted to get a few more. And I was like, and we were getting a lot of, fasting specific questions, which I actually kept and saved for another episode. Maybe next week we'll do those and then we'll come back to this. But in any case, so I asked for some more non-fasting related questions and this girl, Danielle in the group, shout out. She gave us like 20. They were amazing. Really good questions. I think she said she was a teacher. So bravo. They were some really great, obviously all great questions. But when I read through these, I was like, oh, I've never talked about this on the podcast or a podcast. This is a fun question to be asked. It's funny because I'm looking at our lineup and most of them are not Danielle, but the last two we did were Danielle. So, yep. Okie dokie. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Oh, I should I should mention this was not on purpose. I was talking about the bees. I just realized that Another sponsor on today's show besides Lomi, the composter, is Manukora Honey, which makes Manuka Honey. So listen to that ad as well. So Manuka Honey, I first found it when I was having a lot of digestive issues. So honey by itself has a lot of health benefits, like it has good effects on the gut due to its hydrogen peroxide potential, which is very cool. 
Manuka honey actually has other compounds that are different from normal honey. So they actually, when they measure it, they call it non-hydrogen peroxide activity or something like that. It can have profound effects on GI health, on the immune system. So I've been like researching Manuka honey for a long time. So a company, Manucor, reached out to us about partnering and I was really excited because I love Manuka honey. I had a call with them last week. It was interesting because there's a lot of controversy surrounding Manuka honey because people think that some of it's fake and there's all these different rating systems and like, how do you know you're getting what you're getting? And so when we met the brand, I was just thinking, oh, like, please let them be legit and like real. And I met the the founder and talked with their company and they're, they're so amazing. They're doing incredible things. They're sustainable. They're really passionate about the bees and the honey and the health benefits. And they're just now expanding to the US market. They actually got an Airwan, which is cool. So if you live in LA, you can check them out there. Definitely listen to our ad for them because you can get free honey sticks. You just go to manucora.com slash IF podcast. So that's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A.com slash IF podcast. Definitely don't eat the conventional honey. There are some good honeys in the grocery store, but like the cheap stuff, like just don't eat that. I learned a lot in the <laughs> the episode with Joe Rogan about how adulterated conventional honey can be in the grocery store and how it's basically just like sugar, water, and additives and not what you want. So Manuka honey, Manukora, fun plug. As soon as it arrived, my 15-year-old took it out and tried it immediately and gave it a thumbs up. Awesome. It's like a honey that you've never experienced. It's so good. So, okay. Well, this was absolutely wonderful. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. These show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 302. They'll have a full transcript. So definitely check that out and also links to everything we talked about because I know we talked about a lot of products and things like that. So that will be helpful. And then you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. I am Melanie Avalon. Cynthia is Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. And I think that is all the things. So I love this format. I look forward to doing this a couple times a year. I know. Super fun. Yeah. We'll have to decide if we're going to try to like speed through the rest of them next time or like alternate or (laughs) we'll decide. This has been great. And I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.